the Magi, who were traveling to Bethlehem. Of all the things these wise folks knew, they knew the most about the stars. They knew where each star was supposed to be at each time of the year. As you may remember, suddenly they saw a wild star. It was not on any of their star maps. It went where it wanted to go. It did not stay put. <laughs> they decided to follow the wild star to see where it was going and what it wanted to show them. They followed the star all the way to Bethlehem, but they came from so far away that they got there after the baby was born. Very different from the simple shepherds were these wise travelers, people who came on a long journey that must have taken them well over a year. <laughs> they were serious scholars who studied the heavens and the movement of the heavenly bodies. Even though they had great intelligence, great intelligent, intellectual sophistication, each one saw the birth of an unknown child as an event of unprecedented proportions, and each one left home to make the long trip to Judea because of what they had seen in the movement of the planets and the stars. Yeah, right there. No, right there. <laughs> yeah. They, underst You're good. they understood that the birth of a single child could affect the entire universe just as physicists today understand that all of creation is a single organism, nothing happens in isolation. The crying of a baby sends sound waves to galaxies thousands of light years away. So these ancient astronomers believed that something was happening in Bethlehem that would change the world. They met on the way, going first to Jerusalem and speaking to Herod, the king of Judea. Herod knew nothing of the new king, and he tried to hide his immediate and frantic jealousy of a baby who might grow up to take over his throne. He sent the travelers on to Bethlehem, not far from Jerusalem, saying, Well, hmm, go and search for the child, and when you have found him, come and tell me so that I may worship him also. <laughs> so they went to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the child. Bethlehem was a little town, so they would not have had difficulty asking for directions and finding them. And all the eyes would have been drawn to their exotic garments, riding on magnificent horses with their servants and camels and beasts. They brought gifts to the baby, frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Frankincense was something used for worship then and is still used during prayer today. So Autumn's going to give you a little smell of what frankincense smells like. Come here. Myrrh was not a gift for an ordinary king, but a very special one. It was burned at funerals. It was also placed with the dead for their burial. This was for someone whose death was important. 
And last year, we, I have this written on my paper. It says, next year, you may smell the frankincense and myrrh, and here you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We did this on Zoom, huh? We did. <laughs> wasn't quite as fun. Yeah. And uh, the girls will also give you a gift of gold, which was also, gold was for a king, but a different kind of king. So here's our gold. As soon as they get back here. Are you coming back, Charlotte? Okay, great. <laughs> Gold. The child himself was too young to be astonished, but Mary and Joseph were awed by this splendid visitation. First, the simple shepherds, and now these noble wise people. But what could be too great for a child born of heaven? a child who would always carry a double nature, that of God and that of man. The wonder of the incarnation can only be accepted with awe. Thank you. Jesus was completely human, and Jesus was completely divine. This is something that has baffled philosophers and theologians for 2,000 years. Like love, it cannot be explained. Like love, we are bathed in its wonder. Woohoo! Give it up for Pam and the kids. And the not-so-kids. Uh, that is my favorite version of this story in the Gospel of Matthew. Can you smell the myrrh there? Um, so, if the wise men were to be traveling around these days, they might look like something that Brian's going to show on the screen. And I don't know if you can see them, but they're, they're doing um, COVID um, home, home tests. Well, you know, they're coming to see a child who is not, who's not probably not old enough to be vaccinated. So they're being smart and they're taking care of business there. Yeah. So um, the, for me this year, the heart of this story Oh, is that the frankincense? Has that gone around? Has everybody had a chance to smell it? Did you guys get a chance? Oh, take it over, yeah. There you go. I know. <laughs> um, so these, these strangers from the East, we don't know who they were or where they come from or where they went once they left. Um, but these, these people are star followers and meaning makers, uh, meaning finders. They, they show up and they identify this child. And it got me thinking about the star followers and the meaning finders in my life. And I want you today, I want to encourage you folks to ponder and think about who the star followers and the meaning finders have been in, in your life. And to imagine that you too are a star follower and a meaning finder for somebody, who knows. But back in the day... In my late teens, 19 years old, I fell through the doors 
of the little Episcopal church in Santa Ana, California, right downtown, called Church of the Messiah. A little redwood structure, probably couldn't seat more than about 90 people, tiny little place. And, um, and I was angry. I was an angry young'un. I was angry with the church. I was angry with my family. I was angry with God. And it turns out, and I didn't know this at the time, who I was really angry with was me. But here I am, this angry 19-year-old, you know, just ready to make a lot of noise in this tiny little congregation when this old couple named Lily and Laverne West took me under their wing. And they were probably at that time in their 80s. They couldn't have been more than five foot tall, either one of them. And they were uh, retired librarians. And it turns out they loved books. And they would invite me over to their apartment, which was a couple of blocks around the corner, in an old building in downtown Santa Ana. When you walked into their apartment, it was all the old dark oak, um, you know, uh, pillars and um, built-in bookshelves with beveled glass doors and whatnot. I mean, just the cool, like a little hobbit apartment or something. And, um, and their apartment was filled with books, floor to ceiling books everywhere. And they would invite me every afternoon for tea and biscuits. And we would sit in their living room surrounded by books and we would have conversations. And during my time in their apartment on a regular basis, I would forget I was angry. And we would just talk. And we'd talk about books, and we'd talk about authors, and we'd talk about the world, and we'd talk philosophy and theology, you name it. And over the couple of years that I was there, I was uh, encouraged, both by them and others in the parish, to apply to go to seminary against my better judgment. And of course, these people thought, oh, this young'un, this angry young man would make a a good priest. That was not on my radar screen at the time. I just thought, oh, graduate school, a good place to hide. So I went through the process, and, um, and as angry as I was, the Diocese of Los Angeles, Chuck remembers this because we, we went through the process at similar times, um, they passed me on to seminary, maybe to get rid of me, I don't know. Um, but anyway, Laverne and Lily were very much a part of that conversation. And that summer, before I moved to Berkeley, California, they gave me this Bible. It's a revised standard version of the Bible. This is the one that I read over the course of the summer that thoroughly confused and baffled me. By the end of that summer, when I moved to Berkeley, I couldn't find my backside with both hands when it came to the Bible. But the good news about this was that, where is it? Here we go. It had pictures. <laughs> and I'm one of those people who loves a book with pictures in it. And one of the things I didn't, again, didn't realize at the time 
uh, was that these, these particular uh, drawings depicted these folks like Semitic people. They didn't make them look like white boys and girls. They made them look like they might have actually been, which I've come to, um, to really enjoy about this particular Bible. And I have kept this one with me ever since, and I keep it close by in my office to remind me of Lily and Laverne West because they were star followers. And they were meaning finders for me. So think about that. Who, who are your star followers? Who are your meaning finders? I'll bet you you've got more than one. And think about how you might serve as a star follower and a meaning finder for somebody else. I'm thinking about folks like Pachi and Machi. I'm thinking about members of the vestry. I'm thinking about folks that serve in the community. I'm thinking about community organizing. I'm thinking about uh, the Knot Shelter. On and on it goes. You and I can be star followers and meaning finders for other people. We can be magi. Well, I got into the office Wednesday morning, and hanging on my office door was this bag, and it says, literally, I got to read it, Literacy Solutions of Nevada. And it turns out that this uh, was put together by a group of teachers who have been watching this in our fair state for years on end and have discovered that when we as adults spend time reading with our kids, especially as infants, that they become literate. And again, not knowing it at the time, uh, and even coming out of seminary, I was still this angry young man, but that's a whole other conversation. But in this bag is a bunch of kids' books to be shared with infants and on up. And I thought, oh, this is the coolest thing ever. Uh, and research has shown that reading to infants and on through their young lives makes for literate young readers. And so um, I saw this, and I, I had an inkling who might have been involved in this. And it turns out that one of those teachers that's involved in this Literacy Solutions of Nevada is our very own Pam Ertle, who for our kids, and perhaps for the rest of us, is a star follower and a meaning finder. So think about yours. Think about your star followers. Think about your meaning finders. And today, perhaps give thanks to God for their presence in your lives. And then imagine that you and I now get to turn around and do the same for somebody else, to be a star follower and to be a meaning finder for them. That, I think, is the heart of the story of Epiphany. Okay, so listen up, people. <laughs> Go forth following the star in our hearts imagining and being baffled by the face of God, recognizing our call to become star followers 
and meaning finders for others. Alleluia, alleluia. Thank you.